You are listening to the Simply 127 podcast, an entire podcast devoted to all things James 127. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Fintress, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join us today. Welcome to the Simply 127 podcast. My name is Sarah Beth, and I'm absolutely loving being your host. You're listening to episode 13. So far in season one, we've had a variety of conversations with a variety of individuals. We've talked to international ministry leaders, businessmen, foster parents, adoptive parents, experts in their fields, pastors, and nonprofit ministry leaders. Today, we're going to try something new. We've wanted to do this for a while now, but with all of us doing our part to practice social distancing, this seemed like as good of a time as any for us to try a monologue podcast. That's right. Today, you're stuck with just me. We've learned a few things in the last eight and a half years of 127 Worldwide, and we want you, our listeners, to learn from our experiences and even our mistakes. God actually began to stir my heart for orphans and widows in 2007, so that is a 13-year-old well of mistakes that I can draw deeply from. And trust me, I've made plenty. But first, let me say a few things about COVID-19. Can you believe how drastically our world has changed in just a few weeks? Three weeks ago, I could have never guessed that something would cancel the NCAA tournament and close Disney World. (laughs) I don't recall ever using social distancing in a sentence prior to this pandemic either. As quarantining has upended our lives and agendas, there were several topics that I contemplated talking about during the first solo podcast, but I chose to be vulnerable. I've tried to explain to a few friends some of the tensions that I've been feeling recently. As a leader of a nonprofit organization, I've definitely had some anxiety, but I trust that God is in control of the situation at the same time. As an introvert, I've enjoyed the slower pace and alone time, but I've also missed seeing people in my regular routine. I can so relate to the tension the Father experienced in Luke 9. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Before I get to my main point of tension, I need to give you a little background information. At 127 Worldwide, we use terminology stemming from an analogy that I heard several years ago. I can't take credit for this, nor do I know who first came up with it, but I first heard it at a Christian Alliance for Orphans conference. It goes like this. You're hiking along a river with some friends. As you walk, you begin to see crying babies floating down the rushing water. You don't have time to come up with a strategy. Your group sees this emergency situation and immediately races into the water to rescue the drowning babies. You're saving some lives, but it's chaotic, to say the least. Eventually, one of your friends gets out of the water and begins to run upstream. You are furious. You beg him to stay and help save more lives. Can't he see this is an all-hands-on-deck situation? Your friend explains, I'm going to go upstream to investigate how these babies are getting into the river in the first place. I realize that this is a disturbing analogy, but try to stay with me. For decades, well-meaning people have been jumping in the river downstream to help in emergency orphan care without addressing the root causes of family fracturing. These kids need a place to live? Great, let's build an orphanage to house them. They need food? Let's give away free meals. They need clothes? Let's clean out our closets. What's wrong with these solutions? It comes down to relief versus development, something we'll dive into shortly. Good intentions, but these are not long-term healthy solutions. Wasn't it Ben Franklin who said an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? This is the idea. 
by walking upstream, we can actually reduce the number of vulnerable people in the next generation and, as a result, have fewer emergency situations. To be clear, we're not advocating that everyone get out of the river to walk upstream. Someone needs to be in the water rescuing the babies. But if no one goes upstream, we will all be in the water above our capacity to help every single drowning baby. We have to find a way to slow down and stop this at the source. 127 Worldwide wants to focus the majority of our efforts to care for the vulnerable upstream. What are the root issues that are causing the population of the vulnerable communities to increase? Things such as poverty, lack of opportunity, lack of income, and lack of training. The camp of thought that spends most of its ministry time upstream is very hesitant about creating any kind of dependency. Giving away free handouts often robs men and women of their dignity and harms the local economy in these communities. There's also a temptation for the giver to mistakenly feel like the hero of the story, at least in a subtle way. It usually even happens subconsciously. It goes something like this. I have something that you need. I give it to you. Therefore, I rescued you. I'm awesome. (laughs) Of course, this is an oversimplification of a complex issue, but you get the point. It's humbling to walk upstream and work on solutions with locals on an even playing field. The golden rule of upstream is don't do for others what they have the capacity to do for themselves. So when we first started hearing from our partners last week about needs they were facing and potential devastation if COVID-19 broke out in their communities, I did not like my immediate reaction. I was hesitant to help at first. This soapbox rant is just as much for me as it is for you who are listening. I wrestle with the tension of wanting to help my friends in an emergency, but fighting this inner voice about creating dependency and taking away dignity. Will we create bigger issues down the road by showing generosity freely to meet immediate needs now? So here's the reminder that I needed. Pure charity is still a completely respectable response in the midst of an emergency. Two of the most prominent researchers in this field are Brian Fickert, who co-wrote When Helping Hurts, and Robert Lupton, who wrote Toxic Charity. We will link to some great resources in the show notes if you're interested in learning more. Today is meant to be a very elementary introduction. Even these experts have a category for emergency relief work. Basically, there are three different kinds of aid, emergency, rehabilitation, and development. We will save rehabilitation for another podcast. Emergency aid, what we call relief, is needed in the wake of an unexpected crisis, a natural disaster, war, health disaster. It's urgent and temporary. It's helping those who can't help themselves. Development is more long-term. It addresses systemic problems, chronic problems like poverty, lack of education, lack of jobs. Development is a team effort aimed at empowering those needing help to ultimately be able to support themselves, their families, and their communities. Historically, where we get into trouble is when we offer emergency relief solutions to long-term systemic problems. Development also focuses not just on material needs, but on the complex interaction between the material, the social, and the spiritual. Where relief needs to be concerned with immediacy because of urgency, development takes a more holistic and long-term path. This is the foundational belief behind the book, When Helping Hurts. We think, advise, and give differently in crisis situations opposed to chronic situations. I felt conviction over my initial response. This led me to studying scripture where pure charity was often given with no expectations in return. The parable of the Good Samaritan, many of Jesus' miracles, 
and the way the church cared for each other in Acts 2 are just a few examples. Emergency relief solutions are not effective tactics for upstream ministry, but emergency relief solutions are exactly what is needed in urgent situations. Fickert explains, sometimes there is a need to halt the free fall. Relief is the urgent and temporary provision of emergency aid to reduce immediate suffering from a natural or man-made crisis. Such a response is intended for moments when the receiver is largely incapable of helping himself. Sometimes we get so consumed with our own ways of addressing need that we forget to consider other healthy perspectives. There's a time for pure charity. Healthy organizations have set parameters around when it is okay to freely give with no expectations in return. Many of you may be wondering how you can help and how you can be wise with your financial donations during this crisis time. Here are some filtering questions that I created to help us make wise decisions in meeting urgent needs at 127. Here are a few downstream questions to ask. Number one, is this a true emergency? Number two, what is the specific need? Number three, is this person or community unable to help themselves in the immediate Number four, has a long-term relationship been established? Do you know this person who's asking for assistance? Are they trustworthy? Number five, do you have reliable, real-time information? Is someone informing you of the plans and the most urgent needs? Number six, does the emergency have a time limit? Is there an exit strategy for the potential aid that is to be offered? I realize that it's not always realistic for an individual to be able to quickly gather the answer to all of these questions before they help in an urgent situation. Especially if the need is truly urgent, this may not even be possible. That's where you will greatly benefit from working with organizations who are connected to people in these communities year-round. You can funnel your aid through organizations that share your convictions and where you are financially invested already. At 127 Worldwide, we are committed to the upstream work of preventing family fracturing, and yet we understand there is a time for relief. We believe now is one of those times. That's why we have created an emergency fund to help us meet the most urgent needs of our partners and ministry during this unprecedented time. We would love to have you stand with us as we walk through this challenging time in our world. Our partners in Kenya, Uganda, and Guatemala are already being affected by the measures taken to prevent the spread. Schools and businesses have closed. Please check out our show notes for a list of ways to be praying specifically for our partners during this time. We believe that relief can be done well. It can be done responsibly. It can be done in a way that affirms dignity of the hurting while meeting urgent needs. We believe we can do relief for the glory of God through our local leaders, and we believe it can exist in a spectrum of care that ultimately moves toward development and empowerment. I hope this has been a helpful primer for you. Please check out our show notes at 127worldwide.org forward slash simply 127 for more information related to this topic. If you are enjoying and learning new things from Simply 127, we would really appreciate you sharing us with your friends. Also consider leaving us a rating or review. This helps other people find us easier. Some of you are already doing this and we are so thankful. And tune in next time to hear a conversation between me and my friend, Allison Sandridge. God has taken her and her husband on a book-worthy journey of building their family in a way that only God could do. I know you're going to love to listen to our time together. 